Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections, a weekly podcast dedicated to everything science fiction. It's me, your sci-fi boy, Colin Brandon, and joining me tonight is... Mark Bacher. Matt Matt, this is where you sit. (laughs) I'm so used to waiting for Jason that I I was like, where's Jason? Oh, crap, he's not here. Matt Bacher. I am Ben Young. I'm Bill Jarvis, now 100% balder. Andrew's back. And tonight we are talking about uh, 1999's fantastic sci-fi comedy hit, Galaxy Quest. I'll fuck around to the news anymore, Joey. No. No, but I can tell you this much uh, is true. Guess what number uh, episode this is. Is Is this seven? Sixty-nine. Oh, nice. nice. Oh, it's a sex number. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are now in the sex number level of sci-fi cross sections, uh, and this movie is amply sexy. So we are fine. Stir that that's macaroni. When you, that's when you get a free OnlyFans, right? This with a lot of cleavage. Yeah, yeah. Also, this is like the only time in his life where Tim Allen might have had a snidge of sex appeal. So, oh, yeah. are you kidding? Yeah. Home Improvement. <laughs> Getting? Did you not see the Santa Claus? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. You can watch that. that all the blood rush from my brain. Ruff, ruff, ruff. <laughs> yeah, just that, that bark in your ear. <laughs> um, anyway, anyways. So, yes, uh, Galaxy Quest. Uh, directed by Dean Parasat. I suppose that's how you say his name. Pair of socks, what? <laughs> yeah, pair of socks. Uh, screenplay was written by David Howard and Robert Gordon. Story by David Howard. Uh, starring Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, love her. Alan Rickman, rest in peace. Uh, Tim Shalhoub. Tim. Tim. Tony Shalhoub. Tony Shalhoub. Little Timmy Shalhoub, aged... God only knows how old he was. <laughs> from famous time. show Sixty Nine. <laughs> yeah, from famous show Mink. Uh, someone look up how old Tony Shalhoub is because if he is sixty nine, he'll lose. Oh. Uh, also starring Sam Rockwell and Daryl Mitchell. He uh, is sixty six. Oh, oh so close! close. In three on, years, this is going to be super relevant. Guys, thanks, oh, thanks for nothing, guys, Tim. We need to put this one on hiatus. We're going back to this in yeah. three years. <laughs> Yeah, let's record it now, and then we'll release it. Like that. Uh, so, this is awesome, guys, for me, because the budget was $45 million. Box office, $90.7 million. Ladies and gentlemen, that is almost a successful uh, box office run. That is a successful box office I say that because it's, it, it did. It's over double its run. Um, over double its... its uh, budget so but that never happens for sci-fi movies so clearly clearly this is not a sci-fi movie we'll get back at it later though that's a joke oh. ben, what is this movie about <laughs> 17 years after the cancellation of the highly successful sci-fi television show galaxy quest a group of aliens arrive on Earth seeking out the stars of the show, believing them to actually be the characters they portrayed. To assist in negotiations with a tyrannical space general who seeks to wipe out their entire species. 
Great. So I'm glad you read the uh, theme for Star Trek, but what's the theme for this movie? <laughs> I should have I done a synopsis for the Orville and, and really, really you did should've. a bamboozle. You should have done the Orville, or you literally could have done a synopsis for Star Trek. Uh, 17 I'm not, I'm not, years since their last mission. <laughs> I'm not feeling too like too creative lately. I'm just kind of kind of living, kind of just waking up and uh, doing nothing, and then going to bed. And oh, it's 9:41 p.m. You're that. just waking up. I got it. Jason Nesmith. You're, you're no, I've way done. Worse I've, than me. Jason. I've Nesmith. done nothing since seven. Sorry. What about oh. Jason Nesmith? Oh, that's the Here name of Tim Allen's uh, character. Jason Nesmith wakes up one day. I thought his character was Tool Time. Uh-huh. Quincy, 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 Quincy. Tagger, 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 tagger. <laughs> Jason Nesmith. <laughs> yep, you got it. Did I nail it? I'm sorry. Shit. You broke it. Yep. You broke it. So, guys, right off the bat, we all know this. I fucking love Star Trek. And I don't just love Star Trek, I love the culture surrounding Star Trek. And Nerds. Galaxy Quest perfectly, perfectly points out everything that is wrong with Star Trek culture. Uh, Number one, hero worship. Number two, real live aliens. Yes, <laughs> yes. No, that is that has been a huge problem lately. Number three, Tim Allen. <laughs> number, number three, four, Tim Allen. Just wait too Roman candles are really dangerous, and the fact that those kids had such free use of them, not okay. Hey, it was the 90s, man. It was a crazy it, time. It literally was the 90s. Justin crazy Long time. could have blown his hand off. Yeah. Yeah, he wouldn't have been Justin Long for long. <laughs> they don't call him Justin Long for nothing. What? Colin, I don't understand that statement, though, because I think that it is a love letter to fans of these series. They, they're basically, they saved the day at the end of it. Yeah, they gave the like nerds who knew the schematics, like if it wasn't for them, everything would have been lost. Okay, so no, I'm not actually attacking the fans of Star Trek. I, I feel attacked. <laughs> Fight me. Man, I, I was just pointing out the fact that it's so true that actors <laughs> are still making money off of things like 20 to 30 years later. Not from and? what... Just like showing up to cons and literally convincing these people to like spend stupid amounts of money on shit like an autograph. That's not Mick worth Jagger's it. still selling that, copies of Some that, Girls. That, that autograph is literally worth nothing because they hand out so many or sell so many at cons and it's just like... Dude, that, that reminds me of like my favorite point in this film. Can I talk about that for a second? Like when, when Tim Allen first, or Jason, first comes back from space and uh, and he's just like, oh my god, these aliens, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, what are you on? Like, why are you so high right now? And then... Um, did, did, you, did you take a deal? Did you take a deal with that? Exactly. <laughs> no, that's what happens. They're just like, they're just like, guys, it's a gig. And they're like, wait, are you saying that was a gig? All right, let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my favorite fucking thing. But that, oh yeah. my god, that's what it is. Is because they have nothing else going on. They have no prospects. It's literally to show up to these cons and let these people obsess over them and spend money. And they're all bored of it and they're over it. And the only person that's fucking DTF is Tim Allen, who like soaks it up. He loves it. But 
<laughs> yeah, he's main character man. Of course he does. Yeah. Main character man. It was it was movie writers in the late nineties. They didn't understand that all those sci fi actors were going to get amazing voice acting roles in video games going forward. <laughs> That's true. Like, don't get me wrong. At this point in time, uh, not so much for the original series cast because they're dinosaurs, but uh, TNG right. it's paid off. Keeping the, the candle lit this long is now Picard is back, and they're actually starting to be on screen and making money again. But I was going to say, um, Shatner doesn't have uh, any new Star Trek shows coming out. Sure doesn't. It, does he wish he was in Picard? You bet. But, uh, oh, does he? He's, he's busy. No, he's Priceline negotiating. He's so, been oiling up and throwing rocks for years. He's ready. <laughs> Make no mistake. William Shatner has been making money off Star Trek, and not just from cons. He's written like dozens and dozens and dozens of Star Trek books. Not like fan fiction. No, not fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Star Trek books that he's authored. It's a, it's and a Kirk took off his well-oiled shirt to show off his well-oiled <laughs> well chest. Well-oiled shirt. I have not read any of them, but I bet you that's what it is. But uh, and a fist. Oof. And I guess oh, oily, oily, oily fist. You said hand Oof. over fist. Yeah. I, I guess the hand you know, over oiled fair Michigan. Hand. <laughs> <laughs> Why, Gorn, you're looking exceptionally lovely tonight. Perhaps uh, you'd like some oil. I mean, if we're being honest, like uh, Jonathan Frankis has made a, a fuck ton of money off of uh, being a director for so many Star Trek series, but the rest of them, they only make their money off the cobs, if we're being honest. Just selling their signature to people. Mm-hmm. But that's not just Star Trekos. That's other um, properties as well. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Some guys don't even ask for payment. Like I, I remember, um, I got a writer of um the Crow graphic novel, uh, James O'Barr's signature on my copy of the graphic novel, like four times, and he didn't charge me okay, once, but which what was did, great. What did, what did you do four times? The fourth time he signed, I that, went to the, I went to a shitty convention to see him. Well, I went to a shitty convention, saw that he was there, and just so happened to have brought my graphic novel along, and then subsequently it was at the shitty convention every year to see him for like it two years, three copy. years. He must just be happy that people know who he is. So. You made one of the it's best crow on the go. darkly gothic graphic... We're not here to talk about it. Let's talk about <laughs> Galaxy Quest. Oh, thank you. We'll, be, we'll talk about an Andrew's goth podcast. <laughs> okay, but going to a con aside... Holy fuck, this movie was exceptionally awesome. Um, trying to think of what the actor's name was. The, uh, what, what were they called? What was the character's name? What was the alien species called that they helped? The Termites. Oh, uh, termites. Thurians? Thurians? <laughs> the Termites. <laughs> it's like the yes. Therians. The, the Therians, I think that's it. Yeah, the Thumerians. You're talking about uh, Mr. Enrico Colantoni, who yeah. played Mathazar? Yes. The Solarian. He's so good. So good. <laughs> the Solarian. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes. No, they were all so good because their roles are literally so fucking dumb. And they nailed it. Yeah. That one guy, um, who is yeah. it? Um, Rain Wilson? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he shows up as a Therian. 
Yes, he does. Well, it's like, so I, I, Tyler and I were talking about it where it's like all of the, they're Thermians, by the way. All of the Thermians are played by like notable 90s character actors. Even background Thermians are notable 90s character actors. I know at one point the guy who played Ted in Scrubs is in the background as a Thermian. So they're just all these really like like notable character actors who are good at that kind of thing and 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 it works too because it, like character actors and sci-fi TV show kind of go hand in hand, right? Mhm. I I suppose, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. So I, I'm I mean, you've watched like how this. much Star Trek? <laughs> like, uh, I've watched all, all, all of Star Trek, actually, yes. They, the character actors were the lifeblood of the show. They, you, yeah. you get a guest star for, for, a couple, for an episode. Yes. Some big, notable 80s character, 80s actor who plays some weird out there alien, and they're gone. And then yes. the next episode does the same thing. And that, that continued all the way into the 2000s. That's how it always goes. Um, mm-hmm. I just wouldn't say, like, sitcom actors from the 90s block on there, necessarily. Well, but. I didn't say sitcom actors. They're character actors. They sure. are good at portraying a, a very specific, out there, and uh, mostly humorous, but not always, type of character. My my favorite Star Trek episode uh, oh, yeah. actually was the uh, Everybody Loves Raymond crossover with Deep Space Nine. <laughs> what? It's said, a joke. He said sitcom. He said sitcom actor. <laughs> so you should laugh the more. Sitcom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh man, I I want to go so deep into Star Trek. <laughs> fan culture right now, but I really can't. We don't have the time. Just, um, I mean, just say Galaxy like, That's like literally the only thing to talk about. What like, this movie's I about. I didn't have much analysis yeah. on this. I don't know. <laughs> no, like, like, this movie is 100% a love letter to Star Trek, and it's a love letter more so towards the original series of Star Trek, but I even love the fucking nod at the end when they get, like, a reboot series. Yeah, and it's literally almost the exact same amount of time between when their series originally aired and TNG aired, like that much space. Yeah, it's basically how it felt, except you know, the same characters, but whatever. The uh, I don't know if any of you guys had time to watch the uh, the documentary. There was actually a documentary that came out not too uh, long ago. Was it Never surrender. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Brent Spiner is on it, and he talks about how when he saw it, all he could think was, "I can't believe we didn't do this. This is this is <laughs> basically a Star Trek movie. I can't believe we didn't do this." Uh, and he's like, "I know that like the whole cast would have been on board too." Ugh. that's interesting. Yeah, it's yeah, but they, they, they couldn't do this kind of movie though. It's not at the time. The thing, it's it had to be separate from Star Trek for it to be. So on point, yeah. Funny. Yeah. It actually happened because they would have got sued up the ass if they tried to yeah. make this kind of movie without, I guess, the blessings of. Well, hang on, let's see. CBS owns the rights to TV, but Paramount owns the rights to the films. But I'm pretty sure CBS have secured the rights to the film. I don't know. It's all. It, it's so complicated. Yeah. That's why we didn't get a, a TV show between like 2005 and. 
whatever the fuck Discovery came. Discovery started was because the rights were spread mm-hmm. out over like six different companies that no one knew what the fuck to do with it. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, they definitely and they they the humor worked based off of being so close to the source material, but not being it. Like that that's the basis of the joke is like, oh, they're 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 making they're almost making fun of it, but it's actually the real it's basically the real thing. Like they wrote that line the whole time and that's what makes it work. So if it were actually Star Trek, it would it wouldn't be a parody in that in that way. It wouldn't have that like twinge of like, are they making fun of it or playing yeah, you know, mm-hmm. playing right. homage to it. They're not just like telling William Shatner to be ridiculous and kirk it up. They're having somebody do a caricature of it, which is perfect because it was a caricature to begin with, practically. Right, and it's also the people struggling with the fact that they are not the characters they play with, like Alan Rickman. supposed to play... He's, he's an emotional fucking wreck. He's supposed to play this character that's like a lot more stoic, uh, or even Sam Rockwell playing basically a fucking red shirt. <laughs> oh, that was a perfect addition. Oh, who doesn't even have a fucking name of the guy? Yeah. <laughs> you have a oh last name. Sam Do Rockwell I? is so good at that. Do He's I? So good. Oh man. <laughs> He's fantastic. Oh, he was freaking about. He was freaking out about <laughs> the fucking air, and Tony Shalhoub was just like, <laughs> <laughs> "Seems okay to me." <laughs> Which also totally fit the like nonchalant attitude they always had going on to a new planet, without ever mm-hmm. saying anything about it. They just like land and open the doors. And you would assume they did something behind the scenes, but they yeah. never ever talk about that in oh the original. And there's like little jabs at like how dumb the writing was for TNG and for Star Trek in general. When it's just like, what was the name of the fucking secret thing at the end? The, the uh, Chompers. <laughs> yeah, well, shit like that, where it's just like, yeah. No, there's no point to it, but it's there, there. There's no point to it. It was just really cool in an episode. And you actually, like, watch interviews with the writers for TNG, and they're just like, yeah, man, I just fucking wrote whatever. And they're really they hard. Cool they got the time. And, like, scientists are just like, oh, I love Star Trek, man. And, and there are fans who have tried to put actual blueprints of the original Enterprise together, but it doesn't make sense because certain elevators go past where there should have been like only so many floors, but the elevator goes past too many floors and this, and like there's so many inconsistencies and ridiculous scenarios tacked in it. It doesn't physically make sense, but fans still try to build those blueprints. Oh uh, yeah. You, you, you suspend the uh, disbelief there. Just to make it work. Oh, uh, what is, uh, what was the name of that? Um, the like quantum, drive they had or whatever they're they're like Something 13 nine, second rewind yeah oh no, no he's no, talking it was, um, about omega the, 13 the neutron omega 13, 13. that's what yeah, it was omega thir- yeah just fucking literally just something made up in the tv show and someone actually fucking built it <laughs> in the universe uh, no i think it it's something the they show. found that they decided to call omega 13 no, they they said the that everything was built to spec. Like the material itself, yeah, they no, called Omega 13. Omega 13. I understand of... what Ben's saying. Hmm. You can't create fuel. Like, oh, okay. Which is a wonderful 
like I think a nod to the fact that old sci-fi often just grabbed key terms from actual science research and did their best, you know, the old tachyon kind of thing. Like, we, we well, said tachyon if we, beams. If we focus a tachyon beam at the center, mm-hmm. I think we can reverse the polarity. Yeah, do that. That was so Star Trek. For make like, it so. Exactly. So they just grab a bunch of science terms and throw it together. So then someone used all those actual terms because it wasn't science fiction to them anymore and threw it together and it created this device that they're like, we don't know what the fuck it's going to do, but it could destroy everything. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say, so like this, this movie's really fun and I loved it a lot more than I I thought I would remember it. But like, there's really not a lot to talk about. Is there? No, no, absolutely not. It's It's, just like, that's, it's exactly what we're talking about right now. That's what there's to talk about. (laughs) It's an homage to something science fiction, but in it, in it in itself i do not think is science fiction that's the problem it's a, it's so a high like, budget comedy yeah what? but it is in it's a way like, isn't what? it what? 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 No, what? it, it what? makes fun what? of it, like it, the it old star trek human it, it explores what it means to be a washed up actor in science fiction but it's isn't that them like realizing mm. their humanity in that and like taking pride and just being yeah no it's it, it's about be you know it's an existential so I think, crisis. I think to an extent, it's a it's, it's, it's a, a lot about something like Hollywood. It's it's about Hollywood using their platform to for good, really, right? Like these are actors; they are well loved and liked by these fans, these aliens, and uh, they could walk away at any moment. But when they realize that these these guys are in trouble. They they actually step up and they help and they help in however way they can and if that just means reenacting some silly scenes from a TV show, that's what helps these people and so it's like it's an exaggerated hyperbolic way of kind of crafting the the statement, but I think really what it is is like the 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 Thermians are saved by reliving their favorite episode of Galaxy Quest at the end of the day. That's the best interpretation I got for you. I'm going back to being quiet for the rest of this. Yeah. <laughs> aren't we all point. like aren't we all a little bit of like tool men in our own right? Right. No, I said Galaxy Quest. I don't I don't like I home know. improvement. I know you don't. Well, when I didn't you know that, when you stab do me, do I not uh? <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all have that one neighbor on the other side of the fence that we never see the lower half of his head? Yes. Yes, actually, I do have that. Yeah, well. I don't know what to tell you. I, <laughs> I agree then why'd you bring you. it up? <laughs> I don't know. I don't uh, How is everyone? Is everyone okay? I feel like our energy's really low tonight. I feel like is. this like I feel like the energy like from the last two days has just been really fucked up. Like not not yeah. not like our energy individually since I haven't talked to most of you, but like the overarching energy of like the entire day it's been fucked up man i i haven't had solid energy in like a month now oh like, my god feel bad. i have a really good uh, really good quote here uh and it's from 33 secrets 33 secrets you probably knew about the making of galaxy quest at io9 however it says the choppers scene secrets. with uh, nesmith and demar demacro 
trying to reach the self-destruct abort button was inspired by the scene from the 1997 film Event Horizon involving hey. the Warring Blades. Yeah. <laughs> Unnecessary. Yeah. Like, ben ben, like, ben is just like visibly uncomfortable now. <laughs> I yeah. mean, like, who, who gets inspired watching Event Horizon? I guess that's not fair. I was and, inspired watching Event well, Horizon. Well, they're parodying it. You know? I was inspired and, to make a better movie. And the effects of the Omega-13 activation were inspired by the ending scene from Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Mm. Do you think Justin Long's inclusion in this movie was because he was on Third Rock from the Sun? Or do you think it was necessary at all? Oh, yeah. They I mean, actually tried to cut him out. You guys oh, should really? really watch the documentary. Honestly, everyone, listeners, everyone, just... just watch that documentary it's really good it's it's really almost as good for as those the of us who is. haven't watched explain uh they there was a lot of problems with the movie uh they actually cut it down trying to make it more pg-13 which is why during that scene with the crushers uh there's a clear use of the word fuck that gets changed <laughs> uh, Sigourney Weaver says ah oh, fuck it and they changed it to screw that or screw it uh huh she, like, <laughs> you can totally says, see it she clearly says fuck it but like yeah uh, they, they're like mm. oh we made zero effort to actually like cover it up at all because they didn't they shot the whole movie to yeah. be R-rated man and, like the TBS edit of, of Breakfast Club yeah or Die Hard <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they completely cut out um, the principal from Breakfast Club. What? And I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> Yippee ki yay, Mr. Falcon. Oh. Mr. Falcon. <laughs> so another thing that we brought up that I think would be a good discussion, Harold Ramis almost directed this. Whoa. He was the director who picked it up immediately, and he wrote it for a while but then backed out as he realized things were shifting in a way that he didn't agree with. Therefore, he just kind of bowed out saying, this movie isn't me. It's not what I can contribute. So someone else needs to pick this up. Tim Allen was actually, Tim Allen being casted was a part of his decision to back out because he, he wanted it to be more of a, Harold Ramis dry humor kind of feel. Well, I mean, and that's not the way they were going. Not to mention the amount of cocaine would build would like eat up an insane amount of the budget. Just, just the yeah. mountain of cocaine they'd have to truck in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Location shoots are so hard. We have to get all that. When out you have there to fly it out, when you have to, well, that helicopter yeah. was really expensive. <laughs> I'm just picturing those like fire suppression helicopters. <laughs> they just drop it. Blankets. They drop it on Tim Allen's trailer. <laughs> <laughs> imagine, strangely enough, though, imagine a world where directors don't get a say in the casting of stars. Mm-hmm. And that was just that was that was almost thirty years ago. Like that's just a bizarre concept to me like nowadays like looking around at hollywood now like to tell a director that they can't choose their star nowadays like except i guess in like big franchise movies where that's like that's you know like marvel but if this was a movie being made now and harold ramus wanted to cast alec baldwin like he'd get alec baldwin if alec wanted to do it 
Like, period. Like, they wouldn't they wouldn't be like, no, like, studios wouldn't be like, no, 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 we're thinking Tim Allen. It's like, no, like, you have Harold Ramis. Like, we, mm -hmm. directors are so much more valued nowadays, and it's just wild to yeah. me that, uh, which I'm not, I'm not criticizing, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just a, a, an interesting concept to think of that just almost, almost 30 years ago, mm -hmm. directors had no say. Like, why did they even exist? It was all studio films. Like, this was a studio film from beginning right. to end. Well, that's, the, I mean, I don't think it's a blanket, a blanket situation. Like, he definitely was appreciated and they, it was a huge, a huge hit to the project when he left in, initially. Um, but I don't think that it's indicative of the time necessarily. I mean, you have you have directors still who insist on control over every single aspect, and it's just up to the production company or the producers and what they how they how much they're going to allow that. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's so. I mean, every I mean, every film is an, an enterprise. You know, it, it's made to have a return on investment, but like that is so obviously a cash grab, though. To be like, you don't get to pick your star. You know, it's like, I don't know, like we said. Well, no, also, just... Tim Allen uh, was a huge Star Trek fan who, when the script hit his desk, he was excited about it and was reaching out. So that was part of the reason why, like, the producers latched on mm -hmm. to him so much was his, like, enthusiasm, mm -hmm. which was one thing I didn't know about Tim Allen. And it made me almost like him. Mm -hmm. I was going to oh. say, the one thing I don't know about Tim Allen is how he keeps getting yeah. work. <laughs> I mean, he, he he doesn't anymore, right? Oh, no, he's got that one show. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, what, like, the Sci-Fi Boys and Tim Allen are going to fight. The show where it's he like literally plays a white, middle-aged man. And he works at a hardware store. Ten Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter? <laughs> What's it called? No, that stars David Spade. I don't think David Spade is in anything. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my no, god. I, David, I Spade. David right. Spade and Tim Allen were in the same show. I think that would Couldn't cause like an explosion. Like Omega 13 level. <laughs> oh, I, I'm sorry. I, uh, I was thinking of West Man Standing. Is that what Oh, that's just that. Yeah. I'm just I think that has Paul Blart Mall Cop on it. I'm just uncomfortable the whole time. Like, I, I knew what the title was. I just wasn't saying it for humor. Oh, okay. oh, oh, I think Ten Rules had John Ritter in it, which he is dead now. Rip. It was, it was eight simple rules with John eight. Ritter. Yeah, and then when he died, they cast David Rip. Spade to replace him. It, it it wasn't a he he was not a, a, a an actor replacement for the character. He was just a new character. I yeah, it's just you can't you can't replace John Ritter. He, he was, was the like dad on Scrubs. He was Jack Tripper. He, he was a cousin of like the family or something. Like he he came. So he to married the mom. What a gross state. man. No, no, he definitely <laughs> did not marry the mom. <laughs> could, could you could you cast? Could you ever see a romantic interest with David Spade and it was Katie Segal, right? I think that was um the nanny. No. Or no, married with children. It was Katie Segal. Maybe that was Christina Applegate. Katie Segal. Yeah, she played Leela on um. Uh, Futurama. She played Leela on Futurama. Yep, that's, she did. that's the most notable role. That is, that is what Katie Seagull is known for. Uh, all I know is that it really tanked the series when they had to change the title to Eight Simple Rules for Dating My First Cousin Once Removed. <laughs> 
It just didn't, well, it didn't, really, it didn't well. really well in Alabama. That was a weird thing. Alabama. Oh, no. First the French, now the Alabamans. <laughs> just lost 90% audience. of our audience. One state at a time. Uh, <laughs> I, These tides I don't care, roll. <laughs> I care much as, about as much of the, about Alabamans' opinions as uh, as viewers we have, I thought, so, or listeners we have, so... <laughs> I very, very, very little. I care about Alabamans as much as our listeners care about our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> That's a better one, which is not at all. So, uh, they, uh, they, they really fucked that one, huh? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We love you guys. <laughs> they're like, they're listening to this episode yeah, and they're like, we'll make shit. better episodes and we'll subscribe to the You have that weird segment where Dylan <laughs> talks into a microphone <laughs> endlessly. We, we got to give the people what yeah. they want. So, I'm excited to announce that all of our future episodes are just going to be discussions on Valerian. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> that was our single most popular episode, right? That was. It still is is referred to as the Golden Age. The, That's what got the Colin Beard Age. The Golden Age. Yeah, we almost got a we almost got a TV show where it's just us talking about Valyria. That's what the sci-fi cross sections. That's what the sci-fi cross sections oh. movie is going to be about. Yeah, it, it was going to happen, and then Dane DeHaan asked if he could be on it. We're just like, no, we we should go back to them though, because now he's on that show on Quibi. So like, he's that's, probably that's not, busy. That's not Dane DeHaan. That's uh... isn't Quibi no, like Dane a Dane children's DeHaan. like personal computer? Wait, what show are you talking about? It's called The Stranger. He plays oh, a creepy dude. Oh, I thought you were talking about that no. dystopian future movie. Dane DeHaan uh, plays Miller a creepy dude. Can't guy, see the it. The guy that plays Han Solo. Can't see him as anything Harrison other than a fish-eyed fuck. Fish-eyed fuck. Me and Dane DeHaan are going to fight. Uh, at him. At him on this episode. Fighting him. celebrities. You fish-eyed fuck. He doesn't have social media. Dane DeHaan Solo. Dane Dane DeHaan solo. <laughs> Stay tuned after this podcast is over to hear the first 15 minutes of my new podcast where I fight celebrities. <laughs> Just smacking noises. <laughs> you know, I would I do I'm not a big fan of violence, but I will honestly ship that if you need to. I will to. fucking watch yeah. that. <laughs> I, I stand that. Colin's like, I'm not a big fan of violence, but I will fuck up Dane DeHaan. <laughs> <laughs> He's he's like, what does Jason always compare him to? He sounds like uh, oh, Keanu God, Reeves, yeah. except Keanu Reeves actually has sex appeal. So like, <laughs> King Don's got nothing going for him. <laughs> We're just tearing this poor guy apart. So yeah, guys, what was the new sci-fi cross sections about? Uh, yeah, they talked about um, Galaxy Quest for 26 minutes, and then they bashed celebrities for the last 15, 20 minutes. And they just talked about how they would fuck up Dane DeHaan for two hours. hours. <laughs> <laughs> God like at this point it. we've just crossed into yeah, bullying. I know it is. Like, we're just really, straight up bullying really now, right? Welcome to the bully cast. I'm your host. Eight simple rules no, for <laughs> Dane DeHaan beater for eight simple rules for eight simple rules for bullying Dane DeHaan. Not 100% sold on the fact that uh, Casper Van Dien did not delete his Twitter because of us. Because oh, 100%. he did. 100% he did. he did. That's actually a confirmed fact in my head. <laughs> no, that's a confirmed one, kill. One week <laughs> after we attacked him, 
on our podcast for his yeah does Dane DeHaan's Twitter still up you know what not for long Dane DeHaan doesn't have it not for long we're taking that motherfucker down I think he has a face. First Dane DeHaan, next Cara Delevingne. All right, guys. Okay, let's end this episode of Sci-Fi Cross Sections and start our new podcast right now. We're just ripping to celebrities. Fuck up. All right, I'm gonna fight Dolph Lundgren. Dane DeHaan Cross Sections. All right, boys. Well, (laughs) if we're going that route, I do have to ask you guys some 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 questions real quick. Okay. Okay. All right. Is the movie Galaxy Quest good sci-fi or bad sci-fi? What movie? Galaxy Quest. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know where I Stop. Okay. People are going to be mad at us. Like, we're going to get some negative reviews on this episode. <laughs> you know what? Sub to our Patreon for Most better Most importantly, episodes. I'm going to hear my roommate bitch at me that we just that we just fucked around because <laughs> it's what he does. Every time we fuck around, he goes, yeah, but I would have really liked to hear about the thing that you were supposed to cover. And I'm like, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Like, it was Galaxy Quest, dude. Watch the movie. There it is. <laughs> I don't know. This movie is super good. Don't get me wrong. I fucking love this movie. I do. I actually really like I it. I really love this movie. Mm-hmm. I just don't have a lot to say about it. Other than just like, oh, I like this. I like this. I like this. I, I can't pick it apart. It's just, it's on the nose. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, was that was that your good sci-fi bed song? It's. I think that was. I think... If I'm gonna hold this up to like my litmus test of what I think good sci-fi is, it's okay. Um, but at the same time, I could see what makes sci-fi so good in this movie. Um, at the end of the day, this movie is about being, I guess, a better human being, and it's these actors who are washed up and cold; they don't feel anymore. Have to like kind of rediscover. The love of what they do through I have, all, all of this. So I don't know. I'll, I'll just I'll stop it there. I'll say this is good sci-fi just because of that. And Ben, we're gonna get here. Bill, we're gonna get to you. No, I I, I I have to go take care of my baby. So I'm just gonna like oh. put this in. Is that okay, Miller? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I think that Galaxy Quest is a fun fun movie. It's comedy. It's really fun. 1999 had. American Beauty, Girl Interrupted, October Sky. I'm going to go through the whole list. Don't worry. Every single movie made in 1999. And Galaxy Quest was just like one of those movies that when I see it on TV, I watch it. And I think it's hilarious. And I enjoy myself for an hour and a half. And then I walk away. That's all it is. That's all it is for me. So, yeah. And I I think that it's... uh, it's not good sci-fi, but it's a fun movie, and I think it's worth watching. All right. Fair enough. Thank you, Bill. I go take care of that baby. Thank like you, too. All right. Mark. Oh, man. See, I think I would. my memory of this movie would be similar to what Bill just described, but I actually hadn't watched it in maybe eight or ten years. And I was like, this should be fun. You know, I remember that being a, a good movie. Uh, I think I'm going to have a good time watching it and we'll have fun talking about it. And then I watched it and I watched it with, uh, with uh, Matt and my, my dad. And we had such a good time watching it. We were all cracking up and like, it really is, the movie goes way deeper than I remember it going. And I think it's because I was, you know, 
10 years younger at the time. So a lot of the things didn't land with me about, uh, how they all had just been writing off of that, you know, that same fame for all that time. And the fandom was keeping their, you know, them in their houses and stuff. And, and they had like no more fulfilling acting jobs coming through. And just the way that they came to life when they actually were put back in a situation where they were, you know, not just famous, but like we actually relied upon and they stepped up into their roles and fulfilled not just their, you know, filling out their script, but they were actually stepping into the roles of who they had been acting as for so long and who they, they were actually becoming as good of people as they were playing for so long. I don't know. It was just really fun and really like a lot, a little bit heavier than I remember some of the, some of the, uh, midlife crisis moments were like, Oh man, I did not pick up on that when I was younger. Uh, I don't know. It was just, I think there's a lot more to it and the sci-fi really plays into, you know, their introspection. And, uh, I think it makes a good sci-fi. All right. Fair enough. Matthew. All right. Uh, back to back thoughts here. I, uh, completely agree with Mark's kind of feel on it. I, I think it's good sci-fi because it it tricks you into thinking it's just a comedy about this stuff, but it actually ends up hitting all of those points that make Star Trek good sci-fi to begin with. It's all about self-doubt. It's about complacency. It's about feeling like just squeezing the last drop of blood out of a stone just to get by. And then they're thrust into a situation to realize that they mean something, that they can affect those around them without recognizing it. They didn't realize how much they affected an entire culture with what they were doing. And then they went on to continue to completely change that culture. I feel like it does hit those same human elements just in a roundabout way. And for that reason, I think it ends up being good sci-fi. All right. Ben, tell us why it's not good sci-fi. Sorry. No, uh, I'm glad Matt went before me because that's pretty much everything I had to say about it. Um, there's not, there's nothing to say about this movie. There's, there's nothing to analyze. There's nothing deep about it at any level. But it's does what most sci-fi comedies can't do, which is bring the human element into it. Um, in a in a meaningful way, I should say. Uh, and Matt Matt covered it. It's and what uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier. It's about the culture of this. It's it's for the fans truly because we're all Thermians deep down, and we all have a Ceres that we're battling. And it's these these shows, these movies, these things that in, not just teach us how to handle it, but also inspire us to stand up against it. To the point where, um, by the end of it, uh, Mal- Malthazar believe- can- believes he can be a leader because he learned how to be a leader from his favorite TV characters. And I think that's uh, a beautiful thing. So I'd say- I agree. Good sci-fi. All right. Thank you, Ben. Andrew, what do you think? Uh, so this was actually the very first time I'd ever seen this um, movie. Uh, I-, I liked it a lot, actually. Um uh, I was in a pretty weird headspace all day, but um, I was like, I'm watching this movie and I'm like, this is actually pretty good. You know, I mean, it's like 
it, it kind of hit something. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for interrupting. You said it was his first time? I, the first time I've seen it, yeah. Wow, okay. Sorry, continue. A lot of these, <laughs> a lot of the things we cover are like first time viewings for me just because, like, I don't know, I'll... I'll be meaning. I've got like a laundry list of movies. No, I'm that the I same way. I'm the see. same way. Yeah. I'm just. I thought this was a movie that was up your alley, so that's why I was like. But yeah, continue. I'm sorry for interrupting. That was rude of me. No, no, you're fine. Um, it. But yeah, it was like my first time seeing it, and uh, I did. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, maybe. I mean, maybe like if we're if we're getting into like, equating, science fiction with like deep philosophical. Uh, subjects maybe. It didn't really hit the sci-fi for me, but it's it, you know, had weirdo aliens and like a, a plot that sort of revolved around like, oh man, aliens are not only real, but we are their greatest influence, you know. Um, so I I would say it's good sci-fi for me. All right, I think across the board, I think that's overall this has been given a, a good sci-fi. It all bounces out to Enjoyable movie for sure. Yes, 100%. I will never not recommend this movie to anyone, especially if they enjoy, uh, I guess, like that procedural, like sci fi TV show, like if it's Stargate or if it's uh, specifically in this case, it's an homage to Star Trek. If they've seen that, they would absolutely love this movie. So um, I can't recommend it enough. Well, folks, there you have it. That is our take on Sequest. If you tune in next week... Oh, we're finally doing it. Fuck yes. We're doing Close Encounters. Mm. Which was initially planned to be our 69th uh, episode, but we moved some things around the calendar uh, because of power outages, so... Stay tuned for that. I feel like at least a few of you have not seen that movie, right? Correct. I think I saw it when I was like eight years old. Yeah, I mean, last time I saw it was—it's been like a decade for me, so I definitely. I'm looking forward to to Mm reevaluate, but Mark, you haven't seen it. No. We should watch it together. I want to see your reaction of it. Okay. Let me know when you're going to watch it. And after that is (laughs) Signs. Finally, we're getting to Signs. It's probably going to get pushed back some more. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, It's one of those (laughs) things where it's on the list, but nobody actually is wanting to cover it, so it just keeps getting pushed back. I like Signs. Waters, Swing Away. There we go. We covered Signs. You're welcome. There there we go. Now we don't have to do it. Now we don't have to do it. Actually, I think that'll actually be a fun discussion. Um, So... There you have it. That's like the next couple weeks for sci-fi cross sections. So don't forget to tune in. Uh, ben, what? What can people do on Sundays? Oh, uh, if you like fantasy, Dungeons and Dragons, or crazy antics, you can watch us at Once Upon a Tavern, the live stream Dungeons and Dragons show. Uh, you can check us out at twitch.tv slash once underscore upon underscore a underscore tavern. Uh, next week, uh, they're going to start off with fighting a horned serpent, a large snake that is poisonous and disease ridden, and it's going to bite them, and I'm going to try and kill one of them. So make sure you tune in. Tim Allen? Yep, that's it. It's a, it's a, a snack named Tim. Uh, Come listen to Matt B. Skeletor. Yeah. <laughs> hey, okay. 
That wasn't intentional, <laughs> but it is recognized. So full stop, like there's a lot of like sci-fi elements I have like worked into the campaign. So like if you're like interested in how fantasy and sci-fi collide, like it's coming. I've I've begun to lay the groundwork. So like there's good shit coming. I promise. All right. Well, until next time. <laughs>